0: Just to give you a little bit of um, introduction as we start this new year together, uh, we're going to explore this theme together for a little while about what it means to live the future uh, and uh, live in the reality of the future in the here and the now. A bit confusing, I know, but we'll, we'll unpack it as we go. But firstly, I want to say welcome to 2020. Welcome to the journey of fruitful discipleship with King Jesus. As he brings his kingdom to your life, to my life, to our region and to our country. I want to say welcome to 2020 and the joy of King Jesus as well. You know, the, it's, it sounds a bit hard, try to hard, hard to get your head around it when he's, the scriptures talk about for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Of course, the cross wasn't a joyful experience. But there was something about what was beyond the cross that Jesus held on for that would bring joy for all people. And so, um, and you may even remember at the birth of Christ, um, the good news that was spoken to those, you know, shepherds out in the hills, you know, hey, go and see this great thing that's happened in Jerusalem, this baby that's born king, because he will bring, he will be joy for the people. So there's this joy in the heart and the purposes and the plans of King Jesus for you and for me and for us as a people and for our country this year. And so we want to lean into that. We want to discover that together. So I want to welcome you into experiencing the fullness of the joy of King Jesus, the Father's love and his power in your everyday life, in your everyday life. Um, I also want to say welcome to 2020 And the exciting reservoir, well it's more than a reservoir, it's a deep flowing spring of the Holy Spirit inside you that's going to get let loose this year. I want to say welcome to what God's already doing in you and you may not even be aware of it, but it'll be like a living water to your soul. Welcome to that. It's going to be a good year in that. I also want to say welcome to 2020 and the great spiritual contest that you have been drafted into when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and what he was doing in overcoming the powers of darkness and putting his foot on the neck of Satan and conquering him in his resurrection. I want to welcome you into the contest, the great contest of God As he brings his redeeming plans of the future into our day. Even as he invites us to pray, bring your kingdom. Where we see the words and the works of the enemy broken off people's lives. They get liberated, they are set free, they are healed. The poor find mercy in their time of need and the lonely find family. Welcome to the great contest of Jesus is King. And I also want to say, welcome to the amazing story of God in 2020, right here, in this building, in this community of faith, in you as the people of God. The encounters that he has already lined up for you, the encounters that he will continue to reach towards you with, and then through us as a people, see our region loved into all fullness of life. And it wouldn't be a secret, it would be good news to our region and all of the leaders of our region. Nick and I are praying and we're believing that God has great victories for all of us together as the people of King Jesus walking in his love that unifies and empowers and encourages each other on in the journey of God. So welcome to 2020. But let's get this series cracking, Live in the Future. Um, last year, you'll, you, you may remember, that's why I've used this image up there of uh, these two surfers out there sitting in the, in the water, what you, you know, you can see their back because they're looking for what's coming. They're looking for the waves that are on their way. And, uh, and so they're out there with a sense of expectation that there's going to be a, a wave for them to ride. And last year, you may remember, I spent a little bit of time, I brought my, actually brought my surfboard Um, and I I placed placed it at the front here and um, with my surfboard I was just talking about the nature of a relationship with God requires us to actually, it's just like surfing, having this relationship with God. You've got to posture yourself for what God's actually doing, paddle over, engage and then ride what God's doing. You don't tell the wave how you want the wave to be. The wave tells you what the wave's opportunity is, and you get to partner with what's going on on the wave. And so, I, you know, as I've spent a lot of time in that head and heart space and conversation space with God over the last four or five months, I feel like he's saying there's some waves for us collectively to catch together with God this year, and there's some waves that, that are for you this year that only you're going to take the ride on. But he's inviting you to paddle in and pad, or paddle out and join him in what he's doing. As we begin this journey together as the people of Jesus and as his disciples, the Holy Spirit has been you know, stirring in my heart a very deep conversation about being a non-anxious person in a very anxious world. Being a non-anxious person in a very anxious world. There is a lot going on right now that's wanting to tell people what the narrative of life is and really they need to live in a constant framework of doom, negativity and anxiety. And that's not the, that's not, that's not the narrative for the follower of Jesus that we live in and live under and live in the power of. I, I have to, if, if I'm honest, I can only bear about maybe 10 minutes in the morning of any kind of news program while I'm, you know, getting my cup of coffee ready before I go and sit down with Jesus for a little bit, I can watch about up to 10 minutes. If I get any more than 10 minutes, I'm angry, I want to shoot the TV, I'm like, these people are nuts. They're just lying to everyone and and it's not building life or hope and it's not building the kingdom of God. It's just spreading anxiety. Like like wildfire, like wildfire. And the Holy Spirit has just been talking to me, even as I get to those threshold moments where I'm like, I can't take this rubbish anymore. And I have a few words to the TV and, and the Lord, and I tell Nicole about how I'm feeling in that space, and she's like, settle down, old man. And, and I'm like, I don't know. And, then, and I'm just like, i got to pray for the kingdom to come. I got to, that's what I've got to go. I've got to pray for the rule of God to come and invade this anxious world with the good news of the lordship of Jesus. We're all living in this daily reality of being bombarded with worldviews and all of their associated narratives and all of the spiritual power that's attached to those narratives that's born out of darkness and born out of brokenness and even born out of the elevation of man's thinking at the expense of the acknowledgement of God. It's all of those narratives that are at play and right now we're, we're being invited by King Jesus to come and catch a wave with him that speaks to that anxiety and that reaches toward that anxiety with the good news of a loving God who wants to be and is a father to all people. Um, the big narrative, it always, these big narratives, they keep filling the 24-hour news cycle, and one of the reactions, well, there's a number of reactions to all of this, uh, both on the, in the news cycles and in the spirit and in people's daily lives, is what we do is we reach, our first reach in the context of anxiety is for control. Would someone hit the stop button? Would someone put the brakes on? Would someone just, this is madness gone wrong? Someone stop it. And so as a result of our inability to feel like we have a stop button, we put measures of control in our life. We even put measures of denial, and that's our way of coping with this pervading anxiety that's at work. We live at a time where everyone, I've used this phrase before, everyone has the microphone. Not this one. This, this one. Everyone has the microphone, and they are bleating like 24/7 into that microphone of what their their worldview is and all of the associated outworkings of it, and the the interesting dynamic in all of that is is that what we, what people tend to do is they build up their defensive corner, they load up their gun with their convictions and they they secure themselves and then they start shooting at the other people in the other corner in the other in the in the other corner. And you just see it going on and on and on. Now, please hear me in this. I am totally okay with public discourse and debate. Totally okay with all of that. And it's right that we have that. That's what free society and culture gives us the liberty to actually do. But there has to be a way, as the people of King Jesus, that we do this in a constructive way that brings the kingdom. That brings the kingdom. Doesn't just put us in a corner and we shoot these, you know, convictions out from our corner. No, God took on flesh and came and dwelt among us. He got into the big story of the enemy ruling and reigning. He came and inserted himself as God among us. He engaged in the contest And that's what God's inviting us to be a people of that would follow Him into that. This is our moment. This is our time. And God has called you and planted you in this place and space for this very time. You now the enemy and those that don't prescribe to your worldview will want to tell you you have nothing to bring. But you have someone to bring as the followers of King Jesus and his kingdom, and his kingdom. And you have that to bring into this moment. There is a really big, powerful work of God alive in the earth at the moment. And he's inviting you and me to actually be non-anxious bringers of the good news of Jesus in our time. Not in our parents' time past. Not in our children's time future. In our time right now, as every generation gets a good grip of the love of God in Jesus Christ for their life and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we go about living. We're not, we're not living for another day, we're living in today, but we get to live in the power of the days that are yet to come, having invaded this present evil age in the person of Jesus. Good news, good news, God has come in the life, ministry, death and resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Good news, God's kingdom has broken into the earthly experience through Christ. His kingdom is here and through the vehicle of the good news people. Who are the good news people? I've got four of them in the room. Who are the good news people? You're the bringers of good news in an anxious context and an anxious world. You're the vehicle, the body of Christ, the people of King Jesus who've been radically transformed by this grace that's grabbed a hold of our lives and called us out of darkness and called us out of um, our brokenness and given us a whole new life as our sins have been forgiven and our lives have been restored to true sons and daughters of the living God. We're the bringers of of the transforming love and grace of God right now. You see, God's kingdom has come in Christ. God's kingdom continues to come through his people into the church. That's the commission of Jesus to the people of Christ, is to continue the work of the kingdom through words and works. And God's kingdom will ultimately come in the return of Christ where every tear will finally be wiped away. And all sin will finally be eradicated, even as up to that time, God is wiping tears and eradicating sin. It's a busy ball game, isn't it? There's a lot going on. But what an adventure that God's inviting us to, to actually be the bringers of good news. We are not people of anxiety. We, I just want to make some declarations. You and I, you and I are not people of anxiety. You and I are the people of King Jesus himself, the one who has defeated all death, sin, in his resurrection, his death and resurrection. You, that now lives in you. That victory lives in you. That life lives in you. You are not, we are not people of fear about the future. We don't... Paul talks about the mysteries of the ages has been revealed to us in the coming of Jesus Christ. We know the end of the story and the end of the story, he loves us and he loves all of his creation and he's madly at work and and in love restoring all things to himself and he's doing it through people like you and me the body of Christ, in our workplaces, in our marriages, in our way we're trying to learn how to parent, our children. It's it's in all of that that we don't fear the future because we know how the story ends. It's actually a good ending. That's why it's called good news. Neil will talk a little bit about that over the next few sessions if you come and hang out with him. It's not... It is the good news of God fully at work. We are not, also, we are not people without reason for our faith in this time. We are not people without reason. We are people with reason, well thought through, well thought through, reason for our faith because we have reasoned that the person of Jesus Christ revealed was And is and always will be who he is. The son of God incarnate. The son of man revealed. He's not some phony. He's not some fake. He didn't just disappear. The witnesses of history tell us that they walked with him in his resurrection after he rose from the dead. Jesus is alive and if you ask any of the people in this room that do know King Jesus, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of stories in there where you've gone, you know, I was having a chat with Jesus the other day and you're not crazy. You're not. And we are not people living in the fear of the doom of those who have the global microphones. We are the people of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. We are the bringers of his good news. In a, we bring it in his words that testify to his truth that his kingdom is here and in his works that demonstrate his word is true. By healing the sick, by casting out demons, by feeding the poor and by telling people it's good news, God's here and he's right now available to you in Jesus. I want to begin by exploring this relationship together with you, with King Jesus, as he invites us to live as people of hope, living in the power of the free, the future rule and reign of God today. If you've got your Bible, quickly open it, John chapter 5. I just want to read one quick story, John chapter 5. It's a it, If you haven't got your Bible or you, with you or you grab your Bible app, um, we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, but John chapter 5, I quickly want to read this story to you about how Jesus um, goes to this pool one day and at this particular pool, people who um, are sick, who are invalid, who are blind, who are unwell, all go there in the hope of finding healing for their circumstances. And then the... the the, the um, the context was, it, it was basically a pool that was fed by an underground spring. But the, the, the supernatural reality of what the scripture captures, don't, so don't read out the supernatural out of the Bible. I know we tend to do that, but don't read the supernatural out. Let it confront your, your worldview that says the supernatural isn't real. Let the, let the power of the worldview of the scriptures, where God has revealed himself as a supernatural being, let that confront our very limited human thinking. And so anyway, the the supernatural reality of what was taking place at that pool was that as the spring that fed that pool would bubble up, the the understanding was that the first person who was able to get into the pool when that spring bubbled up, they would have a supernatural encounter with with an angel or some kind of heavenly being that they would then receive healing in their body. And so this one particular man, though, who's been there for 30-something years, he's, he's there every day, but he can't, uh, he can't get into the pool first because he's, of his, he's an invalid. And then Jesus sees him in verse 6 of chapter 5. He says, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Forget the pool. (laughs) It's like, what? And crazily enough, this guy actually takes Jesus at his word and at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now we read that like one sentence and very two-dimensionally. But that would have been shocking to see. Like, it would shock your sensibilities to see. And, and, and the audio that would have gone with that. We kind of read that without the audio. <laughs> the audio of a person who hasn't been able to walk for 30-something years, whose legs are atrophied, whose muscles are gone, who, are, who is literally just bones... To hear that person stand up and the physical human body respond to the command of Jesus would have been shocking to the sensibilities, both visually and audibly. It's like, what is taking place here? But Jesus says, forget the pool, just stand up, take your mat and go. At once the man did this. The kingdom came for that man. That day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath and the law forbids you for you to carry your mat. Come on. If there's one thing religion does, it stops you from having a good party in what Jesus is already doing. Religion religion and the law will shut you out from seeing what Jesus is doing and the party of his kingdom breaking in all around you. Because the, it's all grace. We spoke about that last week. Embrace the grace. It's all gift. It's all gift. The kingdom comes as a gift from God that no man may boast. It's the kindness of God. It's the love of the Father. This is who our God is revealed in Jesus. But religion will often want to jump up both within us and around us to try and shut that thing down. The man who made, who made me well, this cripple man now, or the lame man now, the walking man, said about Jesus... He said, he told me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who is that fellow? Who told you you could pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had sort of been on his way into the crowd. Later, Jesus found him, found that man at the temple and said to him, surely you are well, see you are well again, please. And then he says, stop sinning or something worse might happen to you. In other words, he's trying to help connect the dots there about the power and influence of sin and sickness. There's an interesting link there. haven't got time for it, but we'll unpack that another day. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Now, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his (laughs) defence, Jesus says to them, this is a big (laughs) defence. Jesus says, he goes, my father's always at work. Shock. Shock for Jesus to actually claim that God is his father. Absol- that, that was just absolutely, like, the, for the religious Jewish leaders at the time, it's like, close our ears. That's disgusting. You can't, you can't claim God as father. But Jesus does. He says, my father's always, was at work to this very day, and therefore I'm working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father. So he's a rule breaker and he claims intimacy with God. <laughs> this is what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. He will make you a religious rule breaker. And he will bring you to a place where you and I can call God our Father. Our Father. It's shocking, I know. But Jesus gave them this answer Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he pleased is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one but has entrusted all that to the Son. Uh, to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. Now, when you hear that word, eternal life, He's not saying heaven. We read heaven into the text. Believes Me, He sent Me, has has received eternal life. Eternal life in its fullness. If you've got to go back to John chapter 3, where what's-his-name meets with Jesus in the middle of the night and he's born again. Eternal life is the life of the kingdom of God, the generosity of God as king, that life invading the reality of a person's life being restored to God. That is the eternal life, the life of God, the life of God as king the life that God has always wanted for people, that life has come as you meet with Jesus Christ. So he's not saying, if you believe in me, you go to heaven. He's saying, if you believe in me, you get to enter into the life of God and his kingdom even now and into the age to come. Heaven's part of the deal, by the way. I'm not dismissing heaven. Heaven is definitely part of the deal or part of the process. I was thinking one day I might do a sermon on the life after the life after death. It's a bigger picture. Um, anyways, very truly I tell you, a time's coming now... When the dead will hear the voice of the Son, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Notice how Jesus is saying, he's prophesying, There's a time will come, the dead will be raised. Well, in the day Jesus rose from the dead, a whole bunch of other people who were longing for the promise of the kingdom to come, of the long story of God, guess what happened to them? They rose from the dead. (laughs) <laughs> and they started running around saying, it's true, it's true, it's true. Jesus Christ is, is God. It's true, it's true, it's true. So the very thing that was supposed to happen at the very end of the age <laughs> happened in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's already started, and it's happening all the time. That's why we pray for the sick, and that's why you see people with these amazing ministries where God actually uses them to raise the dead today. I know this, is, this confronts all of us, but it's good stuff. Hang in there. John chapter 5 though, the, the core thing that I want us to pick up out of that is the relationship that Jesus shares with the Father. This year as 2020 unfolds, each of us, our, the hope of John, when John wrote that gospel, John wrote it in, and he says it, here's my reason for writing it in John 20, he says, I've written all this that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, is the Son of God and that by believing you would have life in his name. Like right now that life from above, that eternal life. John wrote all of this because in John 3, he says, because God's loved the world that he has sent his son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. You can be perishing this side of the end of the age. There's people perishing in their everyday choices. You can either perish in your choices or you can choose to have life according to who God is. But the key verse is John five nineteen intimacy with God. As we head off on this amazing like adventure of riding the waves of God this year with him, I want to invite you to a conversation with the Father. The greatest experience of my life and that continues to be the case is the one where the love of God invaded my life and set me free from sin. I was literally born again into the life from above, God's rule and reign, and I was ushered into a powerful experience of a daily intimate relationship with a loving God, a loving living God. And it was a relationship where I was being made new and where I was no longer having to approach God out of guilt and fear or shame, but because of his grace that was a pure gift and invaded my life, I now was able to approach God as a son through Jesus to a father daily intimacy, daily empowering, daily purpose and daily vision of his kingdom advancing through my simple acts of loving conversation and loving obedience. I had a significant shift of my whole understanding of myself that day that I met Jesus where I had become a child of God. I was born again. I was born from above. I'd entered into the life of eternity in the here and the now. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the son can't can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. You see Jesus, the son of God, Jesus the son of man, he walked in the reality of a relationship with his father. And we as the disciples of Jesus are also invited to walk in that same relationship, intimacy with God as we commence this year. Um, just to give you a little picture of, you know, that was always what God wanted at the very beginning. You see it in the book of Genesis. He wanted to walk with his creation and with his, the highest part of his creation in the cool of the day. Cool of the day. Great words at a time like this. Cool of the day. But God always just wanted to walk intimately and closely. And, and even in humanity's rejection of that invitation from God, so that humanity chose to shape life and the understanding of goodness and evil on our terms rather than as a gift from God on his terms. We chose to reject that but as a result of that we don't want to walk with God at all. That's why when God turned up in Genesis for the walk in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve ran for the bushes. They ran for the bushes because they were naked and unashamed. Yeah, they were naked and filled with shame but god has always relentlessly been on this rescue mission so that he can walk with people in the cool of the day i got to say one of the, the there's two times every day that i love and i have a time with god where it's really intimate and i don't know if it's an age or a stage thing but for me it's either early in the morning before the heat of the day arrives or it's late in the afternoon when the heat of the day is disappearing. And I love to go for a walk. I'll do a little 5K walk, and I just have this conversation with God. And it's like he's right there with me, intimately, close, speaking with me. And he wants this for us. You see, God is on this rescue mission where he wants to bring people alive to him, that we might walk in the fullness of that life. Even as John, That's why John wrote this gospel in Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks about a beautiful poem where he says God is on this relentless mission to walk with us in the cool of the day. That's why he took on flesh and came and dwell among us, humbling himself. Why? So he could walk with us in the cool of the day. God has always been about restoration. Always. And he wants to walk intimately in the cool of the day with you and with me this year. So here's a few little tips as you head out into the waves this year. Here's a few little tips. Well, the first one is um, Mark chapter 4:4. 4, 4. Jesus here is in the great contest with Satan in the desert. Okay, and and Satan says, just you know, turn that into bread, eat that. You'll you know do do that. And he says, no, hang on a minute. I, I I'm not eating that. I'm going to survive on the word of God. It's, and, he, and Jesus says, it's written. So Jesus leans way back into the book of Deuteronomy as a good Jewish student and he reaches way back into Deuteronomy and he says, actually, it's written. You know, in the great contest, and you and I are going to have some major contests over the next 12 months, major contests, as God advances his love into the anxiety of our culture through you and through me. In those contest moments, you are going to be confronted with all sorts of things. And where are you going to lean? My encouragement is lean into the Word. Lean into the... It's written, hang on a minute, it says this in the Word. It says this in the Bible. Jesus did that as a lifestyle. I encourage you and I to more of that as well this year. Get yourself a Bible reading program. There are so many great things on apps and YouTubes and all sorts of stuff nowadays where you can have a daily Bible reading program with video, with audio, with everything to help you Cultivating intimacy, the word is a great place to meet with God. Cultivating intimacy, sacred pathways, you are a unique creation of God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, Ephesians 2.10. You are a poem, you are a piece of artwork of God, there is no, you are an original workpiece. there is none like you, only you can bring the kingdom like you, because there's only one of you that God has made. So get busy about being you in the Lord bringing the kingdom. And what that means, Why I write Sacred Pathways up there. Quick, this is a great little book to read by Gary Thomas. Note this, Gary Thomas, write it down, called Sacred Pathways. And basically what he does is he just helps people realise that we're all made very uniquely. Some people connect with God most and best in nature. So when they go for a walk, they connect with God. For me, I must have my annual two weeks of the beach. Sitting, hearing the waves, letting the sun kiss my skin, letting the sound of the waves at night just wash over and wash over. That feel, somehow, some strange way, I meet, I feel close with God in that space. Put me on a mountain, put me in the middle of the bush, no, doesn't do it. But the beach does do it for me. For some people though, it's not the beach, it's not the mountain. For some people, it's like you connect with God through your senses. You connect with God through what you see, what you smell, what you taste, a good meal, a good wine, a piece of art. God's made you to come alive to to who he is in very unique and special ways. Get that book, Gary Thomas, Sacred Pathways. Um, for some people, they're traditionalists, Gary says. They love to meet with God through ritual and symbol. That's why in some parts of the body of Christ, liturgy is very important. How you approach God in prayer is is very organised and, and authored. But for some people, they connect so powerfully with God in that space. Some people love meeting with God as they, they're referred to as ascetics. They love silence and solitude. Get me away from the people. I just need to be on my own. That's where I meet with God when all the noise just... That's not for me, but it is for some. There's activists as well who love to be in that place of seeing the confronting work of God's love engaging with another person's life. It's like, oh, oh, oh! I want to be on the front line of that, where that's going on, where God and people are meeting. Show me how I can pray to be a part of being in that. For some, it's caregiving. For some, it's an enthusiasm. There's contemplatives. There's intellectuals. But all of it. God has made you in a unique way to have a relationship with him. Figure it out. Take some time and figure it out, guys. Get into that. Um, I also want to say this one. The Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues is, uh, Paul talks about this, as a means of edification of yourself as you are operating in that grace of, of tongues. And um, and so whether it's in the context of worship or prayer or when you go, like I speak in tongues pretty much nonstop when I go for my afternoon walk. It's just like I want to be really close with you, God, and so I'm going to lean into the person, the Holy Spirit, who lives in me, all of him lives in me, not part of him, all of him lives in me. And, and so I just ask that this gift might be activated in my spirit right now so that I can have communion and intimacy with you, God. And away I go. Should have bought a Honda. Should have bought a Honda. Off I go, you know, for the rest of the, the few hours. But it's just like there is this sense of intimacy that comes with God in that space, the gift of tongues, People have looked at tongues for years with suspicion. There's parts of the body of Christ that says that stuff doesn't happen anymore. We don't belong to that part of the body. We belong to the part of the body that says when you are filled with the Spirit, you get all of the gifts, all of who the Holy Spirit is, all of Him, not part of Him. And situationally, the gifts of the Spirit, of who He is in you in that moment, will manifest accordingly. That's the part that we belong to. And 1 Corinthians 14.4 says anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. There's, there's something that happens in here that builds me up, that connects me with God, that reminds me of who I am again, helps me understand the part of what I'm, I belong to in following Jesus Christ and, and, and even overcome the lies of the enemy. But I, I want to I stir that again. The gift of tongues, don't forget that. Don't forget, that's where we're going to swing into our more Pentecostal arm of who we are. We love the Spirit. Lean into Him. And for those in the room who right now are like, I've never done that, but I would like to do that. We're going to pray today that the Lord would just loosen your spirit and your tongue and you'd be free to enjoy that grace. Um, Also, so I want to remind you of that gift today as you start the journey. I also want to remind you about the life of your heart. What you put the attention of the eyes of your heart on will be enlightened into your life. So I want to encourage you, even as Paul encouraged the Ephesians, make sure the eyes of your heart are enlightened to know the hope of Christ. Let the attention of the eyes of your heart be on Jesus to increase the intimacy that you have with God. What you put the focus of your heart onto, the the attention of the eyes of your heart, that will be enlightened to you and in you. So just be careful what you give your heart to. Be careful what you allow to catch the attention of your heart this year. Let the eyes of your heart be enlightened to know Jesus. Um, I also want to remind us, as well about, if my little lipper here would work. Yeah, there we go. Revisit the Father's words. Probably for most of us in this room here, you have had at some point, someone, somewhere along the way pray with you and they would have said something like this. Broad brush. They may have said, you know, as I'm praying for you, I feel like God wants you to know this about how he's made you or how, he, how he's going to use you in life and they may have just said it as simply as that that's like prophecy the heart of the father calling you into what he has for you and what tends to be the case is um we don't know really how to steward that i was having a chat with, at dinner last night with jerry about this stuff it's like how do we steward these things How do we do that without being anxious? How do we do it from a place of rest? How do we do it out of a place of participating with this love of God that said, hey, you know what? I've got this in store for you. I've made you for this. You're going to do this with me. And it was just a great conversation. I don't know if we came up with great answers, but it was a great conversation. But there was an invitation even in the conversation that I was sensing of the Holy Spirit. It was like, Pull out the diaries again. Pull out the all those you know when that someone came to town and prophesied over you, and you took your phone out and you recorded it while they were praying for you. T- listen to them. Revisit them. Look at the themes that God is speaking to you through them. Enjoy the conversation that God is actually wanting to have with you about them. But revisit them. Revisit them in, over the next 20 uh, in 2020 in the good times and really revisit them in the hard times. Really revisit them in the hard times. That's the gift of the prophetic. Revisit those things. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, One uh, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Not only to be a recipient of it, but to be one who flows in that grace toward others. Like, like don't just like, I'm open to it. That, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, "Get after it," like, like a Tuesday night when it's five-dollar pizzas at Dominates. Get after it. cheap. get in there. Get after it. That's what Paul's saying in that scripture. He's not saying be open. He's like eagerly. Like, I love Tuesday nights. The rest of my family doesn't, but I love Tuesday nights. I'm like, I'm always like, pizza night, let's go. And they're like, again? I'm like, yes, let's go. Pizza night. Get after those that grace of the spirit that prophesies, eagerly desire that activity because it's bringing the heart of God to people for their edification, their encouragement, and their comfort as they're trying to make the journey through this anxious moment in the world with the conviction of the good news of God. They need to hear it. Um Dust off the just, just like get up front, like get up front and get in the enemy's face, will you? Just get in the enemy's space. Say, hey, I'm dusting off everything you've ever had to say about me. Every disqualifying thing that you have thrown at me, I'm telling you now, I'm throwing at you the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in response. Get out of the way, dust it off. Stop listening to it, those old tracks, those old thoughts and start investing in who God says you are as his children through Jesus Christ as a child of God. Dust off the old. Don't take the dust of the old into the new new year. Leave it, leave it behind. Leave it at the cross. Leave it at the cross. And uh, well, lastly, um, put on the tool belt. <laughs> put on the tool belt. You've been drafted into the work of the kingdom of God. You've been drafted. It's work. Sorry to disappoint you there, folks. It's work. It's work. Partnering with King Jesus is work in his, as he brings his good news message to the people that we live among. It's work. It's choice. It's time. It's your resources. It's your energy. It's your emotions. It's your life of prayer. It's work. But we, we do it because we've experienced love, freedom, deliverance and hope in Jesus And it was like, spend me for that, that work of Jesus. Put on the tool belt. Put on the tool belt and reach in. Next time you're in an awkward situation where you're with someone and you just know they need prayer, the first thing that will run through your head is, I need to find someone that can do that. Stop that right there, that thought. Um, You are the bringer of the good news of the kingdom of God in that space. You have been filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. You are a child of God who God has said, actually, I've planted you in relationship with that person right here in this moment, filled you with my spirit, for all of my grace to bring my kingdom to that person in need. Don't look over your shoulder. No one's missing. You're there with God to bring the kingdom. Let's, let's land the plane. 2020 is a big invitation from a big loving God who is for you, who is for me, and who is for the people that we live among and particularly our community and our nation. We who get to live in the power of the invading age to come, the future of Jesus in the here and the now, right here and now, We are being invited to follow Jesus into the anxiety of our cultural moment. Remember these words God is unrelenting. God is unrelenting. God is is unhurried. And God is unstoppable. Remember these words. Tuck them into your heart's pocket, the pocket of your heart. Tuck it in as, you, as we begin this year. He's unrelenting. He wants people free. He's unstop, unhurried. He's not anxious. He's unstoppable. As we've seen in his resurrection and his rule breaking in even today. Just remember those things as you start this year. Now, when you go surfing, you often feel like, well, if you have never been surfing, often this can happen to you. When you do surf, you're out there and you, you work hard to get on a particular wave that's coming through. And sometimes you miss that wave and then your friends get it. They get on that wave and they are just like, woohoo! And you're there, there they go, enjoying the wave. I missed it. I missed it. And they'll come back and they'll tell you, you've just missed the wave of the day. The good news is, there is always, always, always another wave. The waves don't stop. You will not miss out. You won't miss out on what God has for you in the adventure this year. And and he wants to dispel any, any of that thinking for any of us this morning. The Father wants everyone to know you've missed and you will miss nothing. And for all of the thoughts that say, I've missed it, my life Has missed its purpose. My life has not been spent the way it should, and therefore I'm disqualified. The good news of God's invitation for your life today and for mine as we connect with Jesus is there's another wave of God inviting you to get on with what He's doing. Who wants to catch a wave with God? If you want that, why don't you stand and we'll pray? Grab your board, the waves are coming. They're beckoning you. God is saying, come and ride the good news waves of Jesus in 2020. Corning, yes, but it makes sense. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for what's happening in the room right now. You're just drawing people's hearts and their attention and their life to what the Father has for them. And in the name of Jesus, I just i just take authority over all of the, the disqualifying thought life and the words of the enemy that says, you've missed it and now your life is naught. i just cancel the power of all of that in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, I, Holy Spirit, would you birth vision again in the hearts of everyone in this room to see what the Father's doing in their life, that they might join in with the waves of your kingdom, washing through their life and into the lives of others. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Show us the wave. Show us the waves. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.